hosted by Aquania Escrenay, the host of The Purpose of Money, and Danielle Desir, the host of The Thought Card. Millennial Wealth Builder series is where we share the stories of women of color building wealth. But this isn't your ordinary interview-based show. Throughout the series, you'll be hearing from women who are creatively securing the bag, stacking coins. You know what we mean. This series would not be possible without the support of the Plutus Foundation. Millennial Wealth Builders is the proud recipient of the Plutus Foundation's Fall 2020 grant. Yeah, I can't believe how we got here, but I'm going to blame you. I hit you up because I saw an opportunity that dropped in my inbox and it was a grant. And it just so happens to be the Plutus Foundation, which is really well known in the personal finance space for really helping creators like bring their ideas to life. So I had this idea. I was like, okay, I want to do something, but I don't really necessarily want to do it solo. And I love podcasting. And I was like, who can I collaborate with? And what kind of topics are we both interested in? And I immediately thought about you because I'm like, we're both in the wealth building stages of our lives. And we're both also women of color. So I pitched Aquania the idea. She loved it. And your podcast fits so perfectly. I can't agree more. And I'm actually glad because I wasn't aware of the opportunity, but as soon as I heard about the Plutus Foundation grant, I jumped on it. We wrote this thing out and here we are. We're the recipient of the Plutus Foundation Fall 2020 grant. It is going to help us produce Millennial Wealth Builders series, which is going to be a series where we highlight women of color and their wealth building strategies. So I'm super excited about that because that is what I live to do. I know. And I think for us, what was really important was to highlight women of color because we're both women of color and there are lots of uh, gaps. Like we know there's one really notable, but notable gap is like the wealth. There's a wealth gap, number one, but there's also the pay gap. So we wanted to really highlight that, yes, despite the obstacles, that there are some incredible stories out there of women who are who are crushing it, who are finding creative ways. And we are super excited to really bring this out. We've never actually done a documentary series. And we've done nothing like this, just interview-based podcasts. So this is, this is like so new, so new, but I think it's gonna offer a new perspective in the personal finance space, right? Like, don't get me wrong, interview style is great. And I think it's easy to do, but I think we wanted to peel back the layer a bit and go a little deeper with this one. We're going to empower you with strategies that you can actually use, and we want to hear from you. So make sure that you're reaching out to each of us to tell us how we are doing on the Millennial Wealth Builder series and how the stories are impacting you. So we're going to bring you a new episode of Millennial Wealth Builders on the first of every month. It's going to be syndicated on each of our podcasts. So make sure to check out the Thought Card podcast and the Purpose of Money podcast, like you always do, to hear the latest episodes on the first of every month. We're going to cover some really awesome topics like building wealth through real estate, entrepreneurship, 
how to negotiate your salary, and ways to invest. We're going to have experts on the show who have done it and can tell you more about their story and how you can take actionable tips from each episode and start creating wealth in your life as soon as you're done listening. My wealth building journey began in high school when my dad gave me a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I have to be honest, before I read that book, I wasn't even thinking about building wealth and I wasn't thinking about generational wealth. I was a high school student. I just wanted to have my own money and be able to get things when I wanted them. I was always a good saver and I was pretty good at babysitting and making money through odd things that you could do for other people. But the concept of building significant wealth was instilled in me after reading that book. Uh, When I was coming up, I would read a lot of books uh, or magazines such as uh, Money Magazine, Forbes Magazine. I read a lot of... um, books on businesses, but that particular book in itself, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it really opened up my eyes in reference to entrepreneurship. And just by reading the book, uh, it seems like most of the stuff in the book may seem like it's kind of fictional, where he's he's basically comparing these two dads that he had. One was rich and one was poor. But the lessons, the life lessons that were learned in that book is, is very crucial. So I figured that I would buy the book give it to you so you can read it and maybe you can get some of the same things that I got out of it. And that's what, that's one of the uh, critical reasons why I bought the book because it had a lot of insight, not only as far as business is concerned, but a lot of insight in reference to life. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is literally like one of the most famous financial literacy books out there. Robert Kiyosaki was a boy who had two dads. Uh, One was his biological father and one was his stepdad. They both taught him about money, but through different ways. One dad was not as financially well off and he learned money lessons through the life that he lived. And one was better off financially, but helped him learn ways to maximize not only his income, but to think bigger, like what is life like beyond being an employee and why should I pursue ownership and entrepreneurship over a career working for someone else? And then everything kind of stems from there. It encourages you to think about ways to maximize your money and how to utilize the ownership mindset to really boost what you're able to accomplish. I think the first time I realized what building wealth was, was when I was probably like 10 or 11. And I would spend my summers in Haiti every single summer with my grandparents. And my grandparents have a lovely estate, farms, chickens, goats, I mean, acres and acres of land. And that, to me, symbolized, okay, he's, he owns his property. He owns this land. He's not renting. And we would have a lot of visitors who would come in to visit him. And he was always very generous where he would like, you know, either employ them to do something on his behalf or he would give them, give them uh, funds, uh, which is very common in a, you know, Caribbean household. 
So I realized that, okay, this is, this is someone who has enough to take care of not only his household and his family, but to also be generous enough to give to others. And again, he had goats and chickens and horses and and other properties that were income producing properties as well. That was the first time I noticed, okay, this is what it means to be an owner. Um, And more like later in life, I would say that when my mom bought her first home, I realized, okay, again, solidifying what it means to be an owner. We were renting in the Bronx for a long time. I mean, from like when I was born to like about sixth grade. And then my mom purchased a home in the suburbs. And I saw that, you know, I saw her putting down a down payment. I saw her buying the home. I saw her buying all the furniture. So I realized, you know what? I want to be a homeowner one day as well. And I think that at seventh grade, I knew I wanted to be a homeowner. I knew that building wealth is important. And I knew honestly that if anything had ever happened to my family members, I would be responsible for all of these things. Like my grandparents' house in Haiti, my mom's house, you know, as well. I would be in charge of that. So I needed to, again, understand money and understand how I can make that uh, something that I could manage and grow and build upon that. So that is my, I think those are the the beginnings of uh, who I am now. You know, Danielle, I think it's so awesome that you mentioned that in your Caribbean roots and how it inspired you. I have a similar story on how my family began its journey. And it starts with where my father's grandfather, Felix Watson, was actually living in Panama and immigrated to New York. And eventually sent for all his children to join him. But in New York, he was a serial worker, entrepreneur, land and real estate owner, and had like 10 jobs. My dad and family members have told the story about how he did so many jobs in his community. It was difficult to count and to keep up. And a lot of it was giving as well. Like he used to manage a store, uh, a school, he was a social worker and he had property and he used to hand collect his rent and from his tenants. And then when anytime somebody needed something, he was always the first person the community came to when they needed help and he would give a helping hand. I stayed with my grandfather and my grandfather was an entrepreneur uh, there's not a lot of stuff that I could say that he didn't do. He was a businessman. He was a lawyer. Uh, he was very astute in business. So on Saturdays, he used to take me around to these apartment buildings that he owned. I didn't realize that he had owned so many. And we would go around and collect the rents at the end of the month. And then after we collected the rents, I noticed that uh, close to the end of the month, too, he would get four, five, maybe six, eight, maybe 10 different types of sources of income coming through the mailbox. And I was trying to figure out, how is this guy getting all this money? You know, because I knew he had the the uh, the real estate business and I knew he worked, but I didn't realize that he was he was uh, that a student business. So when I saw that, I, I made a commitment to myself. I said, when I grow up, I want to be getting as many checks as my my grandfather got because he seemed to be very astute when it came to business. And that's that's the uh, the seed that was placed in me to actually do real estate or even to pursue 
any type of business ventures or even to pursue education as far as reading or taking classes or asking questions in reference to businesses? So I think there is something to be said and learned about entrepreneurs who build an empire for their families, but then are also giving to their communities as well. I think what's also really important for me is that my grandfather, who I love dearly, has been retired for as long as I've known him. He retired at the age of 55 and he is now 85 because I'm 30. So that is another instance. And I think that just that realization just came to me like this year is that and he's also a Virgo, which I just realized. I don't know why I just realized he's a Virgo also, but I'm a Virgo as well. But it's like the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. He had an interest in retiring early and he's been living in retirement for 30 years. But let me just say that although he retired from working for someone else, again, he has land, he has farms, he has all these assets that are producing for him so he can live a fulfilled life. And as a descendant of Felix Watson, I feel obligated to continue what he started because I want our legacy to continue and I want my kids to have an advantage just like other families give their children when they're starting out in the world. I would love for my children to be able to go to college debt-free or almost debt-free. You know, um, most people don't know this, but my first two years of college, I worked two jobs in order to help pay for college and make sure that every bit of my tuition was covered. And I also wanted to lower the burden on my mom who was helping me cover it. And the way that I finally stopped doing that was I hustled for scholarships and I just kept applying and kept applying. And then I got the full ride I needed, but it was only until my third year of school But it helped me not only get my education paid for, but it helped me minimize my undergraduate and graduate student loans, which is huge. But if you can imagine how much better off I or anyone could be if they had zero student loans and they were able to get the education they needed to pursue the career they wanted. So that's just one of the advantages that I'm providing for my children by saving for their college now. One of my first accomplishments financially was being able to save uh, $5,000. I actually think it was $10,000 in my investment accounts before I turned 18 and went to college. So I had been like working at the movie theaters, at clothing stores, and I had been saving up some money. I'm pretty sure it's between five and 10. Can't, don't quote me on it, but I was so proud of myself that I was able to save uh, that much money in high school. Now, uh, fast forward, um, my story is that I had $63,000 of student loan debt, and I paid that off in four years. I did that through a number of ways, like living at home, like really throwing money at it, being strategic, and really focusing on my interests. That was really, really important. However, at the time while I was paying off my student loans, I was living at my mom's, like I mentioned, but I knew I wanted to be a homeowner. Again, going back to that Hades and, you know, summers in Hades story and knowing that homeownership was so important. But also in Connecticut, where I live, it's cheaper to be a homeowner than it is to rent. So it made sense for me to start saving money to move out as soon as I was done with my student loans. So that's exactly what I did. Um, I had saved enough money. I purchased my home. Um, I live in said home now. 
And it's been over three and a half years since I purchased my home. Now, during that time, I've also been able to pay off $22,000 of my mortgage. So I'm ahead, many, many years ahead. I want to be financially independent and I want to retire early. So I need to remove as much, at least in my theory, in my mind, I need to remove as much debt as possible so that I can live on less. So that is why my mortgage is one of my number one priorities financially. I'm married now. And we are really interested in purchasing our first investment property. So I think in the future, you're definitely gonna be hearing about me purchasing my first investment property. And the story continues to unfold. At 16, I opened up a Roth individual retirement account after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad with the same goal. I wanna retire early and I don't wanna work forever. And I just remember going into the bank And the lady looking at me like, why are you doing this? Like, who put this idea in your head? And I said, I did. I read about it. And I know that it's a good way to get started. And I took my first paycheck, the whole paycheck. I was working at a retail store that summer selling clothes, kind of like, you know, cute women's clothes that you could wear. And my first check was about $252. And, you know, most students at that age would have said, I want to save some money for myself. I want to go out. I want to put some of this money towards fun stuff. But I was like, if I don't save now, I probably never will get started. So I made a sacrifice to dedicate that first check to that purpose. And then I, after I was done working that summer, I saved coins, literally all my coins. So when we say stacking coins, we mean it. Like I saved all my change. And when I had gone back to school that year, cause I went to a boarding school. So it's, I wasn't able to continue working that summer job during the year because it was away from where I went to school. So during the school year, I saved money from babysitting and any of my change. And then Christmas time, I made a deposit. Birthday time, I made a deposit. So I wasn't able to, you know, consistently contribute to that retirement account. But when I had money, I did. And then when I got out of college and I had a steady paycheck, then I started to make monthly contributions. So I still have that Roth individual retirement account. It's still working and growing for me. It's just in the background, just building, building, building. And After starting my career and getting married, one of the things my husband and I really did well in our first three years of marriage was save. Like we had so many vehicles set up to put money aside. We were saving in life insurance. We were saving in investment accounts. And we were actually able to save more once we decided to move abroad. Taking advantage of geo arbitrage, my job moved both, my job moved both of us overseas. And he was able to get a job overseas with me in Dubai. And so we rented out his house that he had purchased before we got married. So we became instant landlords. We allowed the tenant's rent to cover the mortgage. So we have a property that's paying for itself. And then we had our living costs 
mostly covered in Dubai. So the money we would have spent to pay our own mortgage, we saved for three years. We saved all that money. And when we came back to the U.S., we purchased a home for our family because we expanded a bit. We had another son in Dubai. So we came back (laughs) instead of a family of three as a family of four. So we needed more space. So we decided to purchase our dream home in uh, Virginia, which was a lot more expensive than the house he had purchased before. So it did take more money. But in one year, in 2016, we were able to buy our dream home and I was able to purchase a rental property in another state in in Pennsylvania. And the only reason that's possible is because we had the savings to do both. And I'm very proud of the fact that that same year, we also were able to help my mother-in-law purchase her condo. We all, all of her children were able to contribute to that purpose. And most people think, oh my God, how could you possibly contribute to three down payments in one year. And it was all because we were aggressive savers and investors. And we were able to utilize that money to help ourselves and to help our family. And that was tremendous because it was really a gift to be able to help my mother-in-law. And it was a blessing to provide a house for our family and rental income through the rental investment as well ended up being something that helped out for two years. So now uh, I own about almost a million in real estate and I utilize real estate investing as a great way to produce passive income for myself. But I'm also an entrepreneur outside of my nine to five. I do sell life insurance and I'm a financial coach and I use those income streams to invest in long-term investments that'll produce passive income in the future. So I'm always thinking forward and upward and I'm constantly into stuff. So in a few weeks, I hope to have my own updates as to what I'm investing in next. The marathon continues. Stay tuned for new episodes of Millennial Wealth Builders on the first of every month. Take a screenshot of you listening and make sure to share it with us on our Instagram pages at the thought card and at the purpose of money. And don't forget to subscribe to both of our shows wherever you're listening. And we appreciate reviews. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure to say MWB so we know you're talking about the Millennial Wealth Builders series.